welcome to episode 7 of the Man That Rants podcast. My name's Tim, and I'm the man that rants. I told you last week that I was going away for the weekend, this weekend, so I wouldn't be able to write and record the week's podcast episode on the Saturday and Sunday as I usually do. So all this was written on the Monday, and depending on when I recorded this, either, hey, it's early, or sorry for the delay. I could have chosen which of these phrases to leave in when I recorded it, but I didn't want to deviate from the script that I'd put so much effort into. So much effort, in fact, that the word effort in that previous sentence was actually spelt with only one F in this script. It's like I don't take it seriously at all. Oh well, let's just get on with it. The Week in the News As it's Monday, or at least it was the day I wrote this, barely a day after recording the Easter podcast and it's a bank holiday. For those of you who live outside the UK and don't know what a bank holiday is, it's a day when the bank's shut, which isn't to be confused with Saturdays and Sundays when they're also shut, or Wednesdays when my particular bank shuts as well. Anyway, it's also a day where Brits traditionally spend all day in the pub and ensure that their first day back to work following a four-day Easter weekend, the other three of which were also spent in the pub, can be enjoyed with a colossal hangover. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh yeah, my point was that not much has happened news-wise since my last recording. Well, it has now, but then when I wrote this. So I'm going to talk about Ant and Deck. If you don't know who the cheeky Geordie duo are, you can always Google them, but I wouldn't recommend it. I remember Ant and Deck back in the days of my childhood, when they played a pair of young upstarts called PJ and Duncan in children's soap opera drama thing, Biker Grove, which was set in a sort of youth club in a part of Newcastle that was quite poor. Isn't that most of Newcastle, really? Everyone knows the best part of Newcastle is Sunderland. I'm kidding, if any Geordies are listening. Newcastle is a lovely place where no na- Newcastle is a lovely place where no native has ever worn a jacket. Sunderland, on the other hand, is very shit indeed, and I'm not going to apologise to any Mackham listeners for that. Anyway, the show also starred a man with an impressive walrus moustache. He was the leader at this youth club thing, and today he would probably be accused of being a sex offender. Ant and Dex somehow managed to take their on-screen personas and carve out a rap in inverted commas career as PJ and Duncan, having colossal hits with "Let's Get Ready to Rumble." a cover of a monkey's song, I believe, and some other absolute tripe before fading away for a few years. Then suddenly they were on TV all the time. They had a Saturday morning show for a while. They presented Pop Idol, didn't they? Or was it X Factor? Or Britain's Got Talent? Or all of them? I don't remember, really. They definitely did that Z-list celebrity jungle thing, and the Royal Variety Show, and Ant and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway, and probably a hundred more or so things. They'd always presented everything together, but now... Deck has been forced to present a show on his own thanks to Ant's recent misdemeanour. And just when and just when people were finally getting the hang of telling the two of them apart. Great then that people decided Deck needed support and congratulations for managing to get through it on his own. Yes, a TV presenter with getting on for 20 years experience really needs encouragement to do his job. But it seems social media was full of people telling him, well done, the patronising bastards. But why was he doing it alone? Well, it was because Ant had crashed his car while he was drunk. He claimed he was over the limit from the previous night, according to reports, but who knows? It's been said he has mental health issues, which is quite sad for him, but that doesn't necessarily get you a pass. Act like a dickhead and you get called out for being a dickhead. Whether or not he was still drunk is one thing, but he certainly must have realised he shouldn't have been driving well before he failed to control his car and then did the most heinous of things in injuring a child. Now that's someone no one ever forgives people for, but Ant seems to be being excused by many, and that's really not on. Obviously, if the mental health issues are real and not being used as a manufactured excuse for bad behaviour, then I hope he get, gets all the help he needs. But his career might well be over. Imagine if he ends up on that Z-list celebrity jungle thing. How ironic. Rant of the 
This week's rant of the week is lazy, in that I've taken it from something I'd already written a while ago. This isn't to be confused with classic rant of the week, this is something that I wrote and put on Medium a couple of years back. I'm not just randomly trawling through stuff I've already written to save time, although this is actually the first of three pre-written articles or blog posts or whatever that are making an appearance on this week's episode. But it seems I've got quite a collection of writings stored in various places. I'm almost like a writing hoarder. Quite ironic given that the following thing is about hoarding and how I'm not into it. Stuff can be useful. Stuff can be comforting. Stuff can briefly help us forget our mundane lives. But do we need so much stuff? I don't. I used to, but I realise stuff isn't what it's cracked up to be. I returned to the UK six years ago, having lived in Norway for 11 years. All I had with me was a suitcase, a large hold-all and a shoulder bag. In these three carriers, and my pockets, were all my worldly goods. My entire life, it seemed, could be contained within just a couple of cubic metres. It was mostly because that was all I could carry, but I came to the conclusion that all the stuff I'd left behind was just that. Stuff. A collection of inanimate objects that didn't mean much to me. I used to be obsessed with stuff. I would collect football programmes, badges, records, pub memorabilia, anything just to have a lot of stuff. Upon moving into a flat of my own, I began amassing new stuff. Some of it was essential. Plates, pans and the like. But some was frivolous. Books, DVDs, CDs. And some was ridiculous. A portable DVD player, despite my laptop being able to do exactly the same job. And a tablet I bought just to play quiz games that I could have played on my phone were two of my more ridiculous purchases. I realised what was happening. I was beginning to have a stuff relapse. Surrounding myself with needless things was taking over. So I sold a few of them on eBay to thin out my flat's contents and hopefully arrest my compulsive stuff hoarding. Four years ago I moved in with my current partner and we amalgamated our cutlery and towels but a lot of my other stuff was given away or ditched during a pre-move cull. There was still a lot of other non-essential items in my possession but a series of car boot sales got rid of most of it. The TV I gave up watching years ago and the almost unused set of weights were snapped up by others who liked stuff. The cordless screwdriver I bought just to assemble a bed and the record player that was a pathetic attempt to recapture my youth were also bagged by stuff enthusiasts. I can still fit all my possessions, minus a second-hand bike I bought, into the same three bags, possibly. I now know that as long as I've got a roof over my head and food on the table, all I need is a clean pair of pants, my ukulele, my laptop and a reasonable internet connection. Now, I'm no crazy vegan environmentalist granola hippie type, but I can tell you, a lack of stuff is incredibly liberating, and I'm happy being a minimalist. Next time you're on your way to an airport-sized out-of-town shopping complex, ask yourself this, do I really need more stuff? I've got a few other things I've posted on Medium. Some of them might get used in future episodes, but if you want to read them, rather than wait for me to do it, you can go to medium.com forward slash at Timcor. They probably all sound better in your own voice anyway. Shit film of the week. The other week I mentioned I'd watched the new It film and quite enjoyed it, having previously enjoyed an earlier version adapted from the same book. But Stephen King hasn't always seen his books become successful when recreated on the big or the small screens. That's actually a shame as I'm a big fan of his, but if you've ever seen the film of Pet Cemetery where a cat returns from the dead but fails to be in any way scary because it looks like a cuddly toy that's been run over, you'll be aware of how disappointing sometimes his films can be, or at least the film adaptations of his books, should have proofread this. King's book Dreamcatcher is meant to be a sequel of sorts to it. It at least mentions the clown and a group of friends, not those from it, who end up in Derry looking for their special needs friend, Duddits. Anyway, there's a film version of it, which I recently watched, having discovered it on some dubious um, film website the other week. 
Morgan Freeman, remember he featured in last week's shit film, was in this, as was the bloke from My Name is Earl. He's a Scientologist, isn't he? If he is, then what a twat. Now, I should have known it was going to be no good, as its initial release sometime about ten years ago completely passed me by. Not that I'm an avid reader of Empire or Total Film or anything, although actually I once was, about ten years ago, and I don't recall any mention of this at all. It starts out quite well, but then the first evil creature makes an appearance. It's meant to be some kind of mega-worm snake thing that some bloke basically shits out of his ass. Not that it's possible to shit anything from anywhere else. It's quite a harrowing moment in the book, but the worm-snake situation is ruined in the film by the fact that it resembles one of those concertina snake things that you sometimes get out of a cannon that you buy in a joke shop. I'll admit that I didn't even make it to the end of this, and it can be filed along with other King film other King film flops, which include Pet Cemetery, as I've already mentioned, Cell, and Tommy Knockers, among others. I probably should have saved them for future shit films of the week and redubbed it Shit Stephen King Film of the Week, but never mind. The TV adaptation of Under the Dome was wank as well. It just doesn't have luck on his side. The books, though, you can't fault, and you should read them all. Except The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon, which is actually quite pants. Podcast of the Week This week's Podcast of the Week keeps us at the movies. Some of them might be shit, but some of them are really good. The podcast in question is called Betamax Video Club. The guy behind it, no idea what his name is, sorry Betamax guy, has a guest each time, and they review a different film from the Betamax era, every single week or thereabouts. This means that classics like Superman, Karate Kid and Ghostbusters get a going over. Basically, films from when films were good, and not the massive budget effects-ridden circle jerks they seem to have become. I have an ulterior motive for making this podcast of the week, as the guy... Still can't remember your name. Sorry again, Betamax guy. Asked me if I'd... Asked me, even, if I'd like to be his guest on a future episode. I'm pending for doing National Lampoon's European Vacation at some point in the future. That might sound like a joke, but it's deadly serious. You'll find the Betamax Video Club at betamax.podbean.com. There we are again, Podbean. Betamax guy's clearly a wealthy man, too. If you've heard previous episodes, you'll be aware of my views on Podbean. They can go and fuck themselves, basically. Anyway... Beat the Max Video Club. Go and have a listen, and when my episode eventually gets done, you can bet that I'll be promoting it quite relentlessly through various channels. Shit Album of the Week! Someone on Twitter once asked me to review the latest Blink-182 album. Well, actually, she asked me if I'd listened to it yet, and then I reviewed it anyway for doing so. Hi, at Pullover Girl, if you still call that. I haven't seen you around in ages. Anyway, here's what I thought of it back then. And it's part two of the Mining My Pre-Written Contact... Fucking hell. Anyway, here's what I thought of it back then. And it's part two of the Mining My Pre-Written Work theme I seem to have adopted this week. It's called Blink and You'll Wish You'd Missed It. I've just listened to the latest Blink-182 album. Do yourself a favour and don't waste your time with it. It's fucking shit. Far too many slow songs, even though they sound typically Blink-182 but apparently typical Blink-182 is just code for pile of wank these days. Built This Pool is pretty good, but that's mostly because it's only 16 seconds long. The See What They Did There of Brohemian Rhapsody is another decent 30-second offering, but that's it. It's easy to dismiss California as shit. That's the title of this album. I don't mean the state which it's named after. Because of two things, keyboards and auto-tune. The first might be forgivable, but the second isn't under any circumstances unless you're recording a cover of Shares Believe, which, to be honest, no one should really ever do. If you used to like Blink-182, then go back and listen to albums like Enema of the State and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, 
not just for the euphemism-tastic song title of the latter, but because they were actually quite good albums. Just avoid this one at all costs, and anything else they've released since around 2001. This review was originally posted on my music blog, which I might as well promote while we're on here. It's called Tim Core Still Lives, and can be found at Tim Core Still... Oh, bloody hell, did I even say that right? It's called Tim Core Still Lives, and can be found at timcorestilllives.blogspot.co.uk. There's a few reviews there, and some hilarious tales from some gigs I've been to. Classic rant of the week! And here, I'll complete the trilogy of self-plagiarism. As it's still pretty much winter, and it looks like it will continue to be winter, forever, here's a classic rant about going on holiday using a budget airline. It's nice to travel to foreign countries, and a plane is obviously the quickest way to get there. I don't want to pay £200 each way for the privilege of hurtling through the sky in a precarious tube full of compressed air, though. But what about budget airlines? £10 to fly to a major European city of your choosing is cheap. Very cheap. The kind of cheap you really should have concerns about. Oh, hang on, though. It's not really £10, is it? There's a booking fee. Fine, that's standard when you buy a ticket for anything. A printing my ticket out fee? I thought paying to print something out ended when I shelled out £100 on a printer and some paper. But I'll pay it anyway. The costs just keep adding up. Do I want to board the plane? Do I want a seat? £10 more for each of those. Do I want to check in an item of luggage? I'll not bother, thanks. Everything will be in my carry-on bag. Oh, they've limited that bag's no bigger than 10 centimetres by 10 centimetres, weighing no more than 50 grams. Got me again. £10. And then £5 per kilo for anything over 2 kilos. Perhaps they'll charge me for the oxygen I'll use while I'm on there. Or make me pay to urinate in a room that's frankly a very skinny cupboard. That's probably included in the initial £10. Airport tax isn't though, whatever that is. How much is my ticket now really costing me? It's at about £199, which is still cheaper than a major airline, just. The flight experience is enhanced by surly cabin crew will try and flog you all manner of tat the second the wheels leave the tarmac. Don't bother trying to sleep, as I'll wake you up to ask if you want to buy something. Don't bother trying to get up and down the aisle either, unless you want to be on the end of a vicious assault of eye-rolling and tutting. A nice gentle landing is what you need when arriving at your destination. The pilot with a budget airline will pancake it into the runway, and it's a miracle the plane doesn't snap in half upon impact. During landing, don't be surprised if you see Hispanic passengers clutching rosary beads and crossing themselves. Still, I'm there now. Well, actually, I'm not. The airport builders being near the major European city of my choosing is handily over 250 miles from the major European city of my choosing and was advertised as such on the website in text I would need a powerful telescope to read. What absolute bastards. That's it for another week. Listener comments are still thin on the ground. Is that because I took the piss out of the last person who commented? Don't be shy, it's all good fun. Let me know what you think at at the man that rants on Twitter, the man that rants on Facebook, or via email, the man that rants at outlook.com. You can request a rant subject if you like. I might even start having guests on if anyone wants to do that, and if I can figure out how the hell to do it. Get in touch anyway. You can even leave a comment on my website, themanthatrants.wordpress.com. There's a load of rants on there, including a new one I posted just the other day. Actually, there's two more now. Please go and check it out. Oh, and I'll be posting links to the blog stuff and Medium that I read out earlier, just in case you couldn't understand me when I read them out, or you didn't have a pen handy to write them down, or you thought you could ignore it and I'd never mention it again. The links will be on SoundCloud in the 
little box there where there's some text usually spelt wrong. That's it anyway. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.